0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019 and someone is getting up to use the bathroom at the stadium.
0: Excuse me. Excuse me. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. You Mind if I just... Squeeze by here. This has been the Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where
1: drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com and seatgiant.com. Use promo code MADHOUSE at checkout to save on your tickets. Let's drop the puck.
0: Welcome to the MADHOUSE Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Navo and 670 The Score's hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. I, right, Chicago! Woo! Welcome into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast Trade Deadline Spectacular. I don't think Jay made special music for it, but you know what? We're going to treat it as a special one anyway. I'm James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and joining me today from the land of the sun and the beautiful weather and the Chicago Cubs is 670. The score is Jay Zawoski who probably got a really nice tan today as the Chicago Cubs mounted a miraculous comeback to tie the Seattle Mariners. Jay, how's Mesa treating you, my friend?
1: It's nice, man. It's very, very nice. It's it's crazy to be here this early in spring training, and uh, on the trade deadline day, it was just kind of like a surreal kind of a feeling today, like keeping an eye on the Hawks while I'm sitting watching the Cubs, and it's a weird day, a fun day. I always look forward to the trade deadline um, and I was able to, you know, stay abreast, uh, as they say, uh, of uh, the Hawks you said abreast. as the, uh, as the day was going out with the Cubs. So fun. It's good. I love Mesa. It's not as warm as I'd hoped. Not that I'm complaining. It's like 70 degrees here, but the last two years we've been here, it's been 85 and sunny and uh, we have the sun. We just don't have the heat yet,
0: but yeah, you missed some, uh, really cold weather there. Apparently last week, my dad was telling me that it was down in like the, uh, like high 50s or something, he said. It wasn't exactly great, but now the weather is turning. I'll be there in a couple of weeks, looking forward to getting back out to Mesa for some spring training action and following the lead of yours, as I so often do.
1: Yeah, well, James, you said it. Today is the NHL trade deadline. Uh, the Hawks made a pair of trades. Uh, first off, trading a uh, lesser trade, trading Tommy Wingles to boston for a conditional fifth round pick in the 2019 draft and then of course trading ryan hartman for and i keep struggling with this guy's name edzel victor edzel
0: i believe that is correct yes uh
1: first round pick and a fourth round pick in exchange for ryan hartman and a fifth round pick so pretty good day from stan bowman i think that um you know hartman was a guy that wasn't really a sure thing to go but we thought there might be a chance and i think stan bowman said it today i don't think i know stan bowman said it today that it wasn't a guy they were actively shopping but they got an offer they couldn't refuse so they pulled the trigger sending him to nashville and uh, tommy wingles is a guy we've talked about for a few weeks that we saw going i was sort of surprised how many people were shocked and stunned that they traded tommy wingles i mean i think if you're paying attention it makes perfect sense to do And I think the Hawks like him. I think they like what they got from him this year. And it wouldn't shock me to see him in the Hawks uniform next year. He's Mm -hmm. an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. So why not get something for him when you're not going to make the playoffs? Get something in return. And if you really liked him, get him back. He was happy here. He likes playing here. So why wouldn't he want to sign back? You might as well get something for him while you can.
0: Yeah, I mean, I kind of felt the same way where I was kind of surprised people were, you know, seemingly shocked by that. I mean, I think to me, the bigger surprise today was that they weren't able to get anything for Lance Boma. I would have thought for sure they would have been able to get at least, you know, a conditional pick somewhere, whatever you want to, you know, say they could have gotten for him, but he cleared through waivers. He got placed on the Rockford ice hogs roster. So he'll be eligible to play with them. If they make the AHL playoffs this season. I mean, it, it was just a very interesting day that they didn't get anything for him, but they were able to get a conditional fifth round pick for Tommy Wingles. I thought that was kind of an interesting little development here. Obviously I'm not shocked that guys like Artem and Isamov weren't traded From what we had heard from reports, they had only been offered a third round pick and they would have had to retain half of his salary. I think that would have been an absolutely awful move for Stan Bowman to make. I feel like you'd be able to get a lot more for him at the draft next season. Even if you have to maybe, you know, eat a little bit of salary, you're going to get more than a third round pick for him. I think when you if you wait on it and. It made sense to me to make the move for Ryan Hartman. I think we should probably start with that trade. Yeah. Just based on the fact that it's kind of maybe surprising in a way that they traded kind of a younger part of their roster. But, I mean, you have to look at this return. Victor Edsel, or whatever we're going to end up calling him Edsel. um The way they have it <laughs> in the Hawks
1: email is E H J S U H L. Edsel.
0: Edsel. Edsel. Okay. So it's like so, Edzo,
1: but instead of Zo, it's Soul.
0: Ed Soul. Okay, Ed Soul. Okay. Yeah. Well, they were apparently had been interested in signing him as a free agent last season, and he ended up deciding to sign with Nashville. So clearly, a guy that Stan Bowman in the scouting department has done a lot of work on, and they were able to get him as part of the swap, and then obviously getting a first round pick this year. I know it's only going to be probably the thirtieth pick in the draft or whatever from Nashville, but getting that pick is still a really big deal because I feel like that was kind of the – that was the breaking point. Like, if they weren't going to get a first-round pick, I don't think you saw Ryan Hartman move. No. And not only that, they were able to get that pick, a fourth-round pick, and a guy that they coveted out of Sweden who's having a really solid season in the Swedish Hockey League and is a huge, big-bodied forward. The kind of guy that you can plant in front of the net and make things happen. I mean, that's a guy – Stan Bowman has to love and obviously Ryan Hartman is a very solid young player he has got some good potential in him but they've had him for five years they've gotten as much of a look at him as they are ever gonna get and I know you probably could have re-signed him to a pretty cheap deal this summer but like Stan Bowman said this is an offer they simply could not refuse
1: yeah and I think Hartman you know for the flashes he's shown over his career with the Hawks I think there's been probably I don't want to say bad, but there's probably been more average to below average than good. I mean, the first two-thirds of last year, everyone was sort of laughing, like, oh, my God, Andrew Shaw. People kept saying, like, oh, you know, Hartman, maybe he can be Andrew Shaw. The first two-thirds of last year, he was better than Andrew Shaw, and there was no real doubt about it Then all of a sudden, it just turned on a dime where bad penalties started happening, Uh, he stopped scoring, he stopped being effective. And since then, he's struggled to get it back. Now, there have been moments where you've seen glimpses of what you saw in the first bit of last season, but they were way too far and few, you know, few and far between. And uh, I think Hartman is the sort of guy who could go to Nashville and and really thrive, maybe just a change of scenery is what he's needed. And you could read into that how you want. I heard some rumors this week that he was a bad teammate. I heard a lot of that this week. So followed up with it with a couple sources in the organization, and to a man, they all said, no, that's not true. He's not a bad teammate at all. Their main concern, the Hawks' main concern with Hartman was his lack of speed and his lack of consistency, and that's why they took the opportunity to move him when they did. But as far as I can tell and as far as I've been told, there's no you know personal anything like that. There's no behavior, not behavioral issues. He's not a child, but you know what I mean? There's nothing cancerous about him in the locker room and these comments were made after the trade was made so if they were the case these people had no reason to not tell me right it's one thing if he's right. on the team and we are trying to move him, and you don't want that to get out there but once the guy's moved all bets are off and uh you know to a man the people i talked to today said nope he's not a problem in the locker room it just was you know a lack of consistency a lack of the speed they wanted and uh, that was a big part of the reason they moved him i want to go back to Edzel a little bit too 64 215 you mentioned his size uh, what they really like about him are his hands i guess he's pretty nimble in front of the net um can can has a bit of skill it's funny you look at these stats from the swedish league and they don't pop out on paper but you got to no. remember it's a bigger ice surface it's a different game and you don't see you know uh, gaudy numbers in most of the european leagues they're, they're usually sort of lesser than the nhl so don't get too hung up on what his numbers look like they really like this I, I actually texted a source and said is Edgel just a guy and they said no we we really like him we're really high on him and we think that he's got a strong future with this team so it wasn't just someone that like like you said James Stan Bowman wanted him well he went and got him today and uh, a whole bunch more
0: Yeah, and I mean, a lot of people were saying that if they traded uh, Ryan Hartman without getting a first-round pick, that it was going to be an awful trade for Stan Bowman, and how dare that guy. He always gets fleeced, yada, yada. Well, he went out and got a guy that he wanted to sign in free agency last year and lost out on, and got two more draft picks for this year. The Blackhawks, I believe I saw a stat today, now have two first-round draft picks for the first time since 2001. It has been a very long time since the Blackhawks have had multiple first-round picks, and now here they are going to gonna be picking in the lottery, obviously. I'm not holding my breath. They're going to get, you know, the Patrick Ewing dry ice envelope treatment. I mean, we can all hope for that. <laughs> That'd be great. But I, I'm not banking on that, obviously. But, I mean, if you get two picks in the top 30, that's still pretty freaking good. Well, the other thing that to consider the is the depth if- of their system
1: the other part of it is you have two first round picks one of which will be maybe 7 8 9 somewhere in there if you want to get into that top 5 you could trade your 789 pick and your you know 28 through 30 pick that you got from Nashville and flip it for someone in the top 5 if you really want to do that and who knows who knows what you know what they have up their sleeve trade wise but the more picks you have uh, the more sort of ammunition you have to attack A trade at the draft so i wouldn't rule that out i wouldn't rule them out out trading up uh who knows what it's going to lead to maybe it maybe they trade up for Dallin. who knows um but i think it's probably unlikely considering he's like pretty close to a franchise defenseman but nothing is really off the table at this point so i'm pretty pleased i saw the tweets this morning that the hawks were asking for a first round pick for hartman and i i tweeted out like would you give that up for ryan hartman sort of telling people like temper your expectations because if that's what they want it's pretty unlikely they're going to get it well they got it and they got it quick it was one of the first trades of the day announced so uh kudos to stan bowman for um setting the price high and getting the return he wanted for ryan hartman
0: he gotta gotta give him credit the guy knows what he wants and he went out and got it now it's just a matter of whether or not uh It's going to be viewed in the eyes of fans as good enough after some of the other moves that he's made. I think that one of the things I do want to talk about is whether or not this trade kind of gives us a signal as to where Stan Bowman feels like he is in terms of job security and in terms of kind of overhauling this roster. I think that this uh, deal definitely gives us a little bit of an insight into what the uh, organization is thinking.
1: Yeah, I agree. I it, it, and you know, I think I may have mentioned this. I don't know if it was with on a post game pod or a full pod with you, but a couple weeks ago it was the first time I ever heard Bowman with a lack of confidence in his voice. He was asked about his future, and he said basically something along the lines of, "I'm going to keep coming here as long as they tell me to, right? Like I'm the GM until I'm not, but in a way of like, well, I understand why my job's in, in danger, so." I'll just keep showing up until I'm fired. That was a weird thing to see from Stan Bowman. He's usually very authoritative. He's not the most outspoken guy in the world. He's kind of quiet, but it's a quiet confidence. And you know that he's in control when he speaks. And that was the first time I really heard him not sounding like he was sure he was going to be back.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that he probably got a uh, private maybe vote of confidence from John McDonough. Or something to that effect. I don't think you trade a valuable young asset that you can probably resign fairly cheaply unless you have a, a definitive idea of how you want to rebuild the roster and what kind of players you want to rebuild the roster with. And B, you don't do that with a guy who could potentially make you competitive next season unless you have assurances that you're going to be able to do this roster turnaround the way that you want to do it. And I think that this trade likely signals that Stan Bowman has gotten those reassurances. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see whether those kinds of reassurances are kind of passed on to Joel Quindle or if he's not included in that loop, because I still think that if you're continuing to build a team that's more predicated on speed than physicality, Maybe it's not so crystal clear that Joel Quenville will be back next year, and maybe his future is still up in the air. But I think, as of right now, based on this trade and the moves that the Blackhawks have made the last few weeks, I definitely think that Stan Bowman's future looks a lot more secure here, even as the team is going to miss the playoffs.
1: Well, let's get into that a little bit on the other side of the break here. A little bit about the future of Joel Quenville and Stan Bowman and the organization as a whole but first I want to tell you about our friends at triple threat sports you know they're the best place to go in the area if you want to get your nhl mlb nfl jerseys lettered and customized but they're also the best place to go if your team needs outfitting if your team needs jerseys you got a softball team softball's coming up i just had my evaluations and draft for the homewood softball league uh so that you know season is upon us and if we're going to need some gear probably going to reach out to triple threat sports for that Give them a call, 708-478-6090, or visit them at TripleThreatSports.com. They can help you design a logo. They can help you uh, design the the way the jersey looks, the way the off-ice or off-field apparel works out. Everything you would need for a team, no matter what sport, Triple Threat Sports will hook you up and you will look outstanding. So call Chris, 708-478-6090, or visit them online at TripleThreatSports.com. Or email Chris at Chris at TripleThreatSports.com. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. We'll be right back with more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
0: Welcome back, my friends, to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We have been talking about the trade that sent Ryan Hartman packing and heading to Nashville, Jay Zawoski's favorite city in America, by the way. Now playing with the Nashville Predators, and now we are talking about what. The trades that the Blackhawks have made mean for the future of Stan Bowman and Joel Quenville. And we're going to get back into Joel because I think we both kind of agree that Stan seems like he's pretty locked in. now we need to talk about Mr. Quenville, who got some good uh, alternative job training today, got to uh, serve donuts at Dunkin' Donuts. I thought that was a lovely thing to do on trade deadline day. But on a serious note, I, I, I think that... You can't really draw a lot of conclusions on his job security based on what happened today. But you may have a different take than I do. So, Jay, the proverbial floor is yours, my friend.
1: You know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and um, I'm starting to feel like nothing's going to happen as far as a a Quenville firing or a Bowman firing. Uh, Like you said, I think Bowman's pretty secure. The fact that they let him trade a major piece today i don't know not a major piece but a player that matters they let him trade a player that matters today um you know and tommy wingles of course traded as well um i i think that he's pretty secure one thing i said after the columbus game is i want to make sure and i think stan bowman is sort of on this and and you and i kind of raged about this when he said it saying, like, look, these guys are still in their primes. There's still good hockey left in a lot of these guys. And I think we need to be careful and fans need to be careful and especially Bowman and company need to be careful to not overreact to an abnormal, uh, strange, weird look. Corey Crawford's out. Marion Hose is gone. Like, there's a lot of factors that went into this team sucking. Aside from those factors, both of which are legit, you lost an all-star winger and a Vezina level goalie, right? Those are legit. You also had some really strange luck this year. How many times have we seen the Hawks hit the goalpost or you know shoot it an inch wide or it gets blocked by the referee? There's been a million moments like that. And I know those things happen during the course of the season, so I'm not going to say they're exclusive to the Blackhawks and they don't happen to winning teams, of course. Of course they do. I just think that before anything rash is done, and by rash I mean trading Jonathan Taves, trading Brandon Sod, trading Duncan Keith, trading Corey Crawford, things like that, that would be rash. There needs to be a cooling-off period, and I think that could be one of the benefits of the Hawks not making the playoffs is they're going to have this full stretch of April to June to sort of sit back and evaluate before they're able to make any moves and really consider, is it time to blow this whole thing up? And now that the anger of this season and the frustration of the season for me has subsided a little bit, I'm starting to feel like, let's give it a little more time. Before we're ready to completely pull the plug on what's happening with the Blackhawks, I think that they have earned... And by they, I mean the players, the management. Yes, the coach, who I disagree with often, but still like very much. Uh, I think they have earned the benefit of a bad year, a weird year, a a year where things just didn't go right for them. I think they've earned that, and I think that they should be given another chance to make it right next year. Now, if they come out and lay an egg the first half of next season, then I wouldn't be opposed to a midseason firing of either Bowman or Quenville or both or whatever, and then you blow it up. Because if they show you next year that they're the same team they were this year, then then it's time to consider you know a complete rebuild. But I'm not ready just yet. Now that I've taken some time, now that I've taken a deep breath and looked at the season from a wide angle lens, I think it's not quite time yet to blow everything up.
0: Um. I have to disagree with your assertion that they have earned a bad year. You have to recall that this team has gotten knocked out of the first round of the playoffs the last two seasons and is going to miss the postseason again this year. I feel like they've had their bad year, quote unquote. And I know they had the best record in the Western Conference last year. Well, but and I they think also you can also
1: not to interrupt you. I'm sorry. But last year, they also lost to Nashville who went to the cup final in steamrolled the Western Conference.
0: Well, if you hadn't interrupted me, I was going to mention that they ran into a very good Nashville team and that they had the best record in the Western Conference. But you have to qualify that by saying that we saw the writing on the wall with a lot of the issues that have started to plague the team this season, like in a big way. Like we saw the lack of scoring depth. We saw the questionable defense, the lack of speed on the blue line. We saw... All of those things coming, and for whatever reason last year, they didn't impact the team in games one through 82, but when that regression hit in the postseason against Nashville, it hit with crushing force, and they've never really recovered from that. So I'm not saying like, yeah, that's enough of an incentive to me to blow everything up, but I also feel like it gives the argument that the time for patience is kind of over, gives it a little bit of extra kindling for that fire. I think now I'm not saying like they have to blow everything up. I'm saying that at least keep all of your options on the table as you kind of come to the, you know, off season and kind of figuring everything out. I think that Stan is going to be around. And I think if the Blackhawks, even if they get off to a bad start next year, I think you keeping him this off season it's indicative to me that you have to try to give whatever rebuilding plan he chooses, you have to give it at least a full season to kind of start to work. Because it's really, I think, bad form to fire a GM mid-season after you've basically given him a vote of confidence that you're going to let him kind of start this retooling, rebuilding process. I genuinely feel like that's a really bad precedent for the organization and a really bad strategic move for them to make to fire him mid season after you've given him that vote of confidence. So I don't think that firing Bowman should be on the table if they get off to a rough start next season. Like that to me, just that probably should not be an option for John McDonough and company. But I would say that they definitely should have all options on the table. And I'm not going to be angry if they keep guys and decide they want to be patient And I'm not going to be angry if they decide to blow things up, because the last three seasons, things have just been going downhill. This is not the same team that we're used to seeing the Blackhawks have. And I think that all options do need to be on the table, and I'm not going to be mad with any decision. And frankly, neither one of those directions would be particularly surprising to me.
1: Yeah, I think we're sort of saying the same thing. Like, of course, if they say, like, nope, this is it. This is the time. Okay, I'm not going to... push back too hard. I think my my main concern is doing something emotionally rather than logically. That's what I want to avoid. And I think you and I are are maybe disagreeing a little bit on what today's moves meant. I don't know if trading Ryan Hartman signals the birth of a of a rebuild by any means. I I think that he's a guy. I think that he's pretty replaceable. I I liked his game when he was playing very well. But I don't think saying, like, okay, now Ryan Hartman's been traded, so all bets are off, this team's ready to start losing. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that, like I said to start the podcast, it was more of a fit situation with Ryan Hartman. Um, And I do agree with you that if they do decide to do a rebuild and they decide to do that with Stan Bowman at the helm, you have to just let him do it. That means he's your GM for the next three, four, five years even because you are giving him, okay, like, you can't bring in Theo Epstein and say rebuild this. And then they lose for two years, like, well, you're fired. Like, what? <laughs> you know, we're only halfway done. So I, I agree with you there. Like, if it's going to be a rebuild and they're going to let Bowman start it, be it in June, be it whenever, then it's his and it's his baby. And it's, and I do believe that if they do allow that this offseason, it should probably be a new head coach. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to keep Bowman or, or uh, Quinville around for a rebuild. It's sort of like the, um, the Bulls with Doug Collins and Phil Jackson, right? Our buddy Sean White texted this to me, and I thought it was a good comparison. That the Hawks, when they were ready to win, had Doug Collins and Dennis Savard and brought in Joel Quenville to be the Phil Jackson, right, to get him over the hump. At this point, maybe they're better off going back to a developer, to a guy who's ready to coach younger players, to someone with a, with a different outlook, someone with a fresh set of eyes on the thing. Maybe it's time to do that. And then once that core group grows, the Debrinkits, the Schmaltz, to a lesser extent the Forslings uh, and uh, Yokoharju, et cetera, et cetera, when that team's ready to win, then maybe you bring in another sort of veteran guy. I don't know. Just sort of spitballing there. And we're, all, I think all of us are in just a kind of a weird place right now of this is the first time we've experienced anything like this with this group of Blackhawks management coaches and players we're used to them Mm -hmm. sucking in the past where it was all just hopeless and they were never going to win anyway. Right. That was just sort of a foregone conclusion. This feels different because it feels like, could Sam Bowman resurrect another core to win a Stanley cup? I believe he could. I do believe he could. I never felt that way with Bob Pulford and Bill words.
0: I definitely feel like the difference between our opinions is I think you have a little bit more of a leaning toward a patient approach to the retooling is that kind of a fair thing to say like you're not looking to like sell off guys like Patrick Kane and kind of like yeah, go it's... scorched earth on it is that fair
1: yeah and I think okay let's clarify what we're saying here I'm talking about not doing a complete rebuild and when I say complete rebuild I mean no Taves no Kane no Keith right that's a total re you're saying a retooling which was kind of what happened this past off season when Panera was traded for Saad and John was traded for Murphy, and obviously it has not worked out because this year has not been good for Saad. Murphy's been in the press box a lot. Even though I like his game, I think he's played pretty well. That's a retooling. So I'm saying don't go total rebuild, scorched earth, because of this year. If you mm-hmm. want to consider one of them, cool. And again, no one's untouchable at this point. If you want to call up and give me, you know, the first overall pick for one of the guys in the Hawks. Cool. Let's talk. But I, I think that it's to, to go scorched earth right now, the, the, uh, meaning this off season, I think that's, I think it's a little premature.
0: Yeah. And I, and I just think that the decision would be, I, I, I know you have heard me talk on a million different occasions about how Stan Bowman should not make any decisions based on nostalgia or emotion and I, I think what I'm just kind of trying to say is that I feel like if he does end up deciding to go full teardown and to try to find, like, the next core, basically, I feel like it would be less of an emotional decision than maybe some other people would perceive it as.
1: Cool. I think we're on the same page. Yeah. Um, all right. Before we break, I have to ask you something. And uh, just to lighten it up a little bit because it's a crazy business day. Um, I noticed when Tommy Wingles got traded that the women were very upset <laughs> did you notice this like I, I I did not know that Tommy Wingles was this I think I have a good eye for a good looking man I'm straight as an arrow but I can appreciate a good looking man I've said it a lot Victor Stahlberg everyone knows is my guy adorable guy very good looking the room lights up when he walks in I never got that impression from Tommy wingles. And then I saw some people talking on Twitter today, like, Oh, I'll miss his face. I'm like, really? Did <laughs> I miss something? Is did, did yeah. you, your wife mentioned anything to you about Tommy wingles?
0: No, she is not. She, uh, certainly is not. I don't really, I don't know if there's anybody on the team that she feels like is particularly attractive. And I feel like the handsomeness quotient has kind of gone down a little bit with the team over the, last few years so well sharp's more handsome man. when he's I scoring 40 tommy goals wingles and i see like a little bit of like andrew shaw to him and i don't like it
1: yeah his i, I don't, I don't know. maybe i'm off we have a lot of female listeners if you're a listener or whatever gay men anyone if yeah. you think tommy wingles is good looking you let us know because i'm missing it maybe i'm yeah, just let's old let's be and...
0: superficial together people let us <laughs> do this I, just,
1: I was just surprised like wow a lot of people are upset about this Wait. Yeah, I don't, honestly,
0: who is the most handsome Blackhawk right now? Well, it's still
1: Patrick Sharp. I mean, he's much more handsome when 40 goals are going in, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's celebrating and smiling. Um, but that's a good question. Let's think. I think Taves is probably still, in most people's eyes, a really good dude. You
0: just like him because he's like Mr. Like, Green Earth and blah, blah, blah. What? You... I haven't eaten a salad in six months. What are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, you've been too busy uh, bulking up for the "I'm Fat" podcast.
1: Yes, yeah, so I gotta, I gotta get, in, uh, I gotta get in character for the podcast. All right. Anyway, I just wanted to visit that because I was unsure, and I, I'd like some verification one way or the other. All right. Time for another commercial break. Before that, we want to tell you about our good friends at Marish cause our original sponsor, six, six hundred four. Sorry, six hundred four Theodore Street in Crestle. The farther away I get from Chicago, the more I forget addresses. Six oh four Theodore Street in Crest Hill, family owned and operated since nineteen thirty-three. You've heard us talk about Marishka's. You know about the poor boy, you know about the steaks, the chops, the seafood, all the great stuff there. They've got a great craft beer menu. They got big facilities for up to 110 people. So make sure you go check out our friends at Marishka's. You will not regret it. It is an outstanding place. The place that I am proud to bring friends to because I know they're going to be happy. I know they're going to be thrilled. And if they've never been there before, they're going to be blown away. So go visit our friends. Visit Marishkas.com or Facebook.com slash Marishkas. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So plenty of chances for you and your family and your friends to go out and have a great night at Marishkas in Crest Hill. We'll be right back. We'll talk about some of the other trades around the league that happened today and answer A handful of your emails. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
0: Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We have uh, solved what's wrong with the Blackhawks. We've decided the fates of Joel Quenville and Stan Bowman. We've talked about the Ryan Hartman trade. And now we get to judge what everybody else in the NHL did on trade deadline day. Jay, are you ready?
1: Sir, I have never been more ready in my life.
0: hmm I like that kind of language. All right. One of the other first trades that was made today after the Blackhawks announced the Ryan Hartman deal was a trade between divisional rivals as the St. Louis blues sent Paul Stasny to the Winnipeg jets in exchange for a conditional first round pick in 2018, a conditional fourth round pick in 2020 and Eric Foley. Two things I thought about this trade. One to me, this signals the Blues do not think they're competing this year. They they are done. I think they do not think that they have what it takes to mount any type of serious Stanley Cup run. And number two, I still think the Blackhawks got a better return for Ryan Hartman than the Blues got for Paul Stastny. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I, I hesitate to say I feel for the Blues because I absolutely don't. <laughs> but – uh it's got to be frustrating to know that your best shot has come and gone. And that is exactly what's happened with the blues. They're just, I don't know. I don't know how they get back to cup favorite or, you know, handful of cup favorites. They're not as good today as they were yesterday. And I don't know. I think that their best opportunity was when they were running into the Hawks every year. And They were not able to do it. And they've had they were very close several times and just could not get over that hump. And uh yeah, I think you're right. I think the blues sort of realized, like, well, we're not gonna do much the way we are now. So you still got good years of Tarasenko left. You're gonna hold on to him, obviously. But so I wonder I'm
0: Alex Petrangelo.
1: Yeah, I just wonder how they're going to approach the future here. They've got a lot of questions to answer too. They really do. They've never been able to find a goalie that's been outstanding there's been goings on the blues that have had really good years
0: yeah brian elliott had some incredible years when he was in st louis but when push came to shove man he just couldn't get it done in the postseason
1: exactly so who knows i wonder i wonder if this signals anything for the blues you know yeah. uh and again remember last year they traded chat sort of a different situation but uh one of the faces of their team they weren't able to get tj oshi back Uh, There's been a lot of a lot of misses by the Blues just on and off the ice. So uh, I'm I'm very interested to see the direction of that organization come June or July.
0: You know who the Blues right now remind me of is the early 2010s version of the Vancouver Canucks.
1: Yeah, where
0: they had all the skill in the world and came achingly close to a Stanley Cup and just couldn't get over the hump
1: they ran into a buzzsaw known as the Blackhawks, my
0: friend. That they did, my friend. And speaking of the Vancouver Canucks, they also made kind of an intriguing trade today with the Columbus Blue Jackets. They sent Thomas Vanek to Columbus in exchange for Chicago Blackhawks legend Tyler Mott and Yussi Jokinen. Thought that was an interesting move by the Blue Jackets. They get a Winger, who's been bouncing around the NHL a lot lately. Both of them. And obviously Tyler Mott, who I still think has some game, goes to Vancouver.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I'm as sold on on Mott as you are. My favorite Tyler Mott memory is you and I at the draft together and seeing the sign. that says, come meet Blackhawk Tyler Mott. Well, nope, he was traded, so that's not going to happen. (laughs) That's probably my favorite and most vivid Tyler Mott memory. I think he's good. Is he better than Kemp, the other number 64 in Blackhawks history? I don't know. I think they're pretty comparable. But uh, Vancouver, you know, why not? Why not trade a guy and get something young for him? Vanek's not got a ton left. I think he sort of salvaged his career last year in Detroit a little bit. And then, you know, got himself a little bit of value this year. But it's kind of a no-brainer for me to trade a guy like that if you can get something decent for him.
0: Speak. You know what? You you literally just caused my brain to go in, go in two different directions. Oh. First of all, are you surprised the Detroit Red Wings did not trade Mike Green today?
1: Well, I know he's been banged up. He's missed some time lately, and I wonder if that played a role. I know. Are you allowed to trade a hurt player? This is something I should know. I mean, yeah, the
0: Flyers traded Kimo Teeman into the Blackhawks, and he hadn't played <laughs> the entire season. No, he
1: was just dead. Um <laughs> i like the whole no i like the whole weekend the bernie's Austin. thing the hawks did on 2015 and just put a, like sticks under his arms and just like oh, skate him around the Isn't ice that
0: why they don't have a second round pick this year let's not talk about that um <laughs> <laughs> no uh
1: i forgot what you were even saying but um oh mike yeah green. detroit I'm mike green they didn't trade him i am very surprised if they were allowed to do it they should have and maybe just teams are like eh, i'm kind of good on mike green i think he's He is a dude that has gotten by on reputation and name for a long time. And I think maybe that is finally starting to, uh, you know, GMs around the league are starting to realize that Mike Green is not the guy we probably think he is. Or he's not the guy that our, you know, our mind's eye tells us he is. Because he had some great seasons in Washington. But it's been five or six years since he's played at that kind of a level.
0: Mm-hmm. The other question that came up in my mind while we were talking about uh, David Camp is, I thought with Ryan Hartman and Tommy Wingles gone and with Lance Boma sent down, do we see a John Hayden return?
1: That makes a lot of sense to me. I think that uh, they put him down there to get him some more ice time, to get him skating on top lines, to get him used to handling the puck and not playing, you know, six to ten minutes every night. I'd like to see him back. I've been saying for weeks I want Gustav Forgeling back. I know Matthew Highmore has been recalled. so he'll uh, be... I
0: think Matthew Sakura, I've seen some rumors about maybe bumping him up at some point in the near future. Yeah, and Bowman. obviously Dylan Sakura, we've all heard that he might be coming to Chicago finally. If he does, that's a pretty fun ad right there.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, that's what Bowman said about Dylan was he's on his way. And everyone sort of looked at each other like, what does that mean? Uh, I don't know, maybe him Yeah. <laughs> Like, if you're in the room and you're confused by what he meant, say, can you clarify what it means by he's on his way? Does that mean he's signed? I don't know. But uh, one way or another, Dylan Sakura, who's probably one of their top offensive prospects, maybe their absolute top offensive prospect, uh, looks like he could finish out the year here in Chicago, a la Dylan LeBlanc. Remember him? Oh, Drew LeBlanc. Drew LeBlanc. I've got my name wrong. Drew LeBlanc. The perfect name for him. And um, who are some of the other ones like that that came and played at like, the end of the year and then we never saw or heard of them again? There's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of them. But uh, Sakura is a different story, and he's expected to be a decent NHL player. So that's something exciting to look forward to as the year runs out. I just want as many youngsters to get up here and play as they can. That's why I have no problem with the Wingles trade, have no problem with Lance Boma being waived, um, get these kids on the roster and playing and developing against strong competition and i wonder i wonder if we're going to see like a different sort of feel from the hawks next time they play are they going to look a little more motivated maybe a little more energized by some of these new faces i hope so um because you don't want to just suck up the end of the year and that's kind of what they've been doing over the last handful of games
0: i don't know man i think we might see a deflated team too based on what the comments that jonathan taves made today after the hartman trade where he basically said he didn't get it
1: i don't know what's to get i mean if you can get that kind of i don't know how much of that is taves just being like it sucks to lose a teammate and saying what his teammates want to hear i think taves yeah is that's smart.
0: that's kind of what i'm leaning towards too yeah i
1: think taves is far enough to get like well you have a bottom six forward and you're gonna get a first round pick plus for him yeah like what's not to get
0: that was like getting a first-round pick for Troy Brower. I thought it was a smart move to do that too. So, and all Brower right, we're and taking w- forever talking about trades that really are not the big trades of the day. Yeah, so let's get to the big ones. I'm going to rifle through two quick ones, and then we're going to get the big one. So, Evander Kane traded to the Sharks for Daniel O'Regan, a conditional first and a conditional fourth from Buffalo. That's what they get.
1: Basically, so what the Hawks got for, trade Herman. for
0: San Jose. And then the trade that intrigued me, I think, today more than the biggest trade was the Vegas Golden Knights acquiring Thomas Tatar from the Red Wings, getting a first round pick this year, a second round pick next year, and a third round pick in 2021. I thought getting three draft picks for him was actually pretty good. That is a
1: solid return, and Vegas has a bajillion draft picks to give.
0: A uh, bajillion is a very good way to put it. Yeah,
1: so I love that Vegas is going for it. They were also the ones that were most in on uh, Eric Carlson, according to Pierre Lebrun. So that, imagine that, an expansion team God, actively, actively awesome. shopping for the top target at the trade deadline.
0: Oh my God, that would have been so freaking cool if they had gotten him. I would have jumped on to the Vegas bandwagon with a lot of force if they had been able to get him. That would have been great.
1: All right, let's get to the big one.
0: The big one, the Tampa Bay Lightning, who also were kind of sniffing around Eric Carlson. God, can you imagine Eric Carlson and Victor Hedman on the same team? I just, good God, man. (laughs) The instead acquired Ryan McDonough, and JT Miller from the New York Rangers in exchange for a first round pick this year, mm-hmm. a conditional second next year. Yes. Vladislav Namestnikov. I'm going to, th- I'm just going to say that one.
1: I call him Name Stinkoff,
0: <laughs> Libor Hayek, and Brett Hoden.
1: Okay. Guys, we'll never hear from again
0: i have a sneak off maybe like just because his name is so weird i feel like we're gonna get stuck having to say it a lot like he's gonna get traded to the blackhawks in the off season for like i don't know freaking Jonathan Taves. no 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 <laughs> i'm saying he's gonna get traded to the blackhawks for some schlub it'll be like artem and isimov retain salary they get and a sneak off back like well, it's gonna happen and we're gonna have to re- remember the dude's name that's gonna happen
1: what we need to talk about um this is a huge trade obviously the biggest trade of the day um steve eiserman as elite gm it's it's up there like he's he's in the conversation for sure of the top five gms in the game i really think so
0: okay i like what steve eiserman has done in tampa bay i love the talent that he has got in tampa bay A, has not won a cup, and B, didn't even make the playoffs last year. And I know, I know, I know. They had a ton of injuries. A lot of bad luck happened in their series against the Blackhawks. I know these things. But give me one Stanley Cup, and then I'll put him in the elite. I know that's a very meatball-y thing to say, but when you're talking about elite GMs, you got to get the ring, right? I mean, you have to win that champ, especially when you're this freaking loaded, dude. They should honestly, they're the Stanley Cup favorite in my mind right now. Zero question. I think, like, I i like what Pittsburgh did at the deadline, getting Derek Broussard. I thought that was a very smart move by them. Their center depth now is insane. I still think Tampa Bay is better, and I am looking forward to, to the eastern conference final which could potentially be the stanley cup final this year basically
1: well steve eiserman could have a ring if he did not run into a buzzsaw known as the blackhawks my friend
0: duncan keith
1: anyway eiserman yes of course the ring is the thing that solidifies it but to make this deal he made today without trading his top prospect in sergachev that's brilliant that's it was that's really you know being creative finding a way to get it done you know that's the first name that every team talks about when uh you know when Steve Eisenman's on the other line and he was able to pull off a huge deal getting two really good players uh, without giving up his top prospects so yeah. he's had a handful of things like that and like we talked about with patience he did not overreact to a couple down years for the lightning he realized that injuries were played a huge role and there were other factors as well and he stuck with his guys and it's paid off for him they're an excellent team this year they just got much better so uh, i agree with you i think they're the team to beat in the eastern conference i really do
0: yep and the new jersey devils got pat maroon what a great trade a anyway moon. let's get to some emails jay <laughs> let's do that Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod.
1: The email segment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com for all the information, the menus, the specials, all that good stuff. It's all there on chuckscafe.com. I've talked a lot about this place. Uh, it's great. Love it. One of my favorites. They have the best barbecue, the best Mexican, the best Cajun, the best bar food. It's outstanding. Everything at Chuck's is great. I say this all the time, and I mean it. Take someone to Chuck's that you think might be picky. doesn't matter. They're going to find something they like. They're going to find something that makes them happy. There is literally something for everyone there. And if you're just thirsty, you just want to drink, join that 120 Beer Club. Sample all 120 of their beers, and uh, you win a fabulous prize from Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe. So check them out. Again, in Burbank on 79th Street and Natchez and in Darien on Cass Avenue just north of I-55. Very easy, very convenient locations. Uh, visit them on chuckscafe.com. To the emails, my friend, it is time to go. Let me go here to Ryan Tennant. He says, hey, guys, in the Columbus post game podcast, Jay cautioned against overreacting to one bad weird season and a sentiment i largely share however when he mentioned the possibility of trading ryan hartman because he's not one of q's favorites it made me think of all the players who have earned that label and it's opposite the q guy aka guys who think who q's think are better than they actually are these there's always seemed to be a disconnect between bowman and quenville in terms of roster composition but that was largely papered over by having multiple hall of fame caliber players at their peak winning three Stanley Cups now that the cup winning core consists of players that are just pretty good instead of elite the coaching staff needs to get the most out of the talent they have available something I don't think they're doing I am loath to call for the firing of a Hall of Fame head coach but if Quenville can't overcome his own tendencies and adapt to the talent he has on hand I feel like he's got to go thoughts James your thoughts
0: I feel like sometimes it's overblown that Joel Quenville isn't able to get guys to adjust to his system or refuses to adjust his system for guys. I feel like we've seen time and again over the years that Joel is willing to make some tweaks to what he does to fit the games of guys. I know for every Trevor Daly, you have guys like Brandon Saad who like fit, you know, Quenville system for the most part, but instead of putting, sod in a role like second or third line he put him up on the top line when he was a youngster indicating that he wanted to get some good offense out of him too so i feel like joel the reputation is deserved i think but you also have to know that he has made some alterations to his system to fit certain guys and you know i i think the criticism is fair i just don't think that it's like a thing that you can just like say This is a fact about him. He picks guys and then ignores other guys. I think there's a little bit of nuance there, too.
1: You mentioned Trevor Daly. Did you see his overtime winner last night? I did not. (sighs) Guys, go look up Trevor Daly's goal. Makes a backhanded pass off the boards to Nielsen and then wheels around, right, like around the point, gets to right in front of the net. Nielsen shoots the puck. Uh, Daly deflects it perfectly, from like four feet in front of Hen- Henrik Lundqvist, and, they, and the Wings win it in overtime. It is one of the sweetest goals you'll ever see, and you got to make sure you watch the highlight because you might miss the brilliance of it. Like at first look, watch that initial pass that Daly makes off the boards. It's redonkulous. Just a sweet goal. Next see email, you guys. Yeah. I'm
0: surprised didn't get traded today. Henrik freaking Lundqvist. I thought he might go somewhere. See,
1: that's one of those. That has to be like a. Well, the, you know what, though? The Rangers kind of did that. They sent the email saying, like, look, we're going to trade everybody, so just be ready. <laughs> but I think. That's what, see,
0: well, that's what I was saying. Yeah,
1: I, I don't know. Lundquist has that, like, pillar of the franchise feel to him. And I think they're going to have to maximize return. I wonder if they thought about it today. I wonder if they had some bites and just didn't get what they wanted. I'll bet he would probably get a lot more in the offseason, I would think.
0: You're, you're probably right about that. I'm just surprised with that email. That really. That seemed to be laying some groundwork. Although, for the second time in four years, they've traded their captain to the Tampa Bay Lightning. How about that? Yeah.
1: It's a tradition like no other. (laughs) All right, next email here from Alex Keller with a really good question. He says, hey, guys, I am wondering who you will be rooting for come playoff time. Hmm.
0: Not Pittsburgh.
1: No, that's boring.
0: I will do what I always do, which is to root root for Washington because I'm tired of the stupid ass narrative that they always choke. And I will also be rooting for Las Vegas because, dude, how awesome would it be to see an expansion team win the cup their first season? That's like they're already a history making team. Yeah. If they were able to do that, that's like one of the great sports stories of all time.
1: That's totally true. Uh, that is the team I'm rooting for in the West, for sure. Eastern Conference, uh, pulling for the Lightning. And uh, I got a little soft spot for the Blue Jackets. Not really sure why. Maybe it's Panarin. Maybe it's whatever. I, I've always just sort of liked them. I like going there for games. So Columbus, Columbus and Tampa in the East and uh, Vegas in the West. How's We're about that?
0: to throw down, because how the hell can you root for John Tortorella to win anything?
1: I don't know. He'll be fired anyway. They're not going to win. T- <laughs>
0: If they win the cup, he's not going to get fired. They're not going to win the cup. Stop yourself.
1: <laughs> if they thing. win the cup,
0: I swear to God, I'm blaming it on you. Okay,
1: that's fair. I will allow that. I will allow that, even though I said they're not going to. Uh, good question here from Matthew Giovanni. And, uh,
0: I'll be the judge of that. This is
1: something that on our next long podcast, especially with you know nothing really mattering from here on out, I want to get into. He says, Hello, gentlemen, this is the
0: nihilist madhouse, Chicago hockey <laughs> podcast.
1: He says, what are the chances the Hawks signer offer a PTO to either of the ladies tending goal in the gold medal game?
0: Oh, yes.
1: Could you yes! see it happen do in it! the NHL? Do it.
0: Do it. Do it.
1: Now, I brought this up on the Spiegel and Perkins show on the score that I felt within the next 20 years, there was going to be a full time female player in the NHL, particularly a goalie. I think it's pretty unrealistic. That a forward or defenseman could hang in the NHL, and it also creates the moral question of if you know Kendall Coyne is breaking down the right wing trying to score a goal, is Zdeno Chara allowed to absolutely destroy her as she enters the zone
0: if he can catch her?
1: Right, but you you see what I'm saying, right? Like that's kind of the that's kind of the dilemma of having a physical sport that allows women, and I'm sure look they can handle it they can sign up for it but i think a lot of guys would be like i'm not going to hit this woman Let's yeah not going to do it but i do think uh it could happen in goal i really do and we saw him in own realm in the 90s get a shot with the lightning she got torched in her preseason game with the lightning yeah. um shannon savados plays in uh men's leagues now and again and has uh, probably a little bit below average numbers, and that's the gold medal or the silver medal goalie for Canada. Um, but I do think we're getting closer and closer to that, and this is something, James, that I want to spend a lot of time on in a future podcast. So let's not tear it apart right now. Um, but I, I do think it's interesting, and I do think there is a chance that it could happen. I just don't know if it's now yet.
0: I I think Zabados would be a great option. I think that she's proven she can play at least serviceably in men's leagues. And so I would love to see her get a shot. Obviously love what I saw from Maddie Rooney in the gold medal game. I thought she was fantastic. And don't ever underestimate Nora Radu from uh, Finland. She is a fantastic goalie too. I'd be willing to give any of those three a shot. Why the hell not?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you can't hurt anything, right? It, it very, At very least you get a boost in uh, attention.
0: You know exactly. I mean? And and I would also like the record to show that in the instance of Hillary Knight or Kendall Coyne breaking down the wing toward the goal, I think at the end of the day, you just have to go, look, they're wearing the opposite team's uniform. I'm going to do whatever it takes to stop that person. Like, I feel like instinct is going to overwhelm. Oh, she's a lady. I think that that to me, I'm not tremendously worried about. But again, we never like to try to get into the heads too much of players. So I mean that's you know that's a decision I guess they would have to make.
1: Yeah, and and I do think that you would have to you know consider the the way the men would feel playing that game too. Like that to me honestly, I would be very hesitant to lay out a female player. That would be something that a lot of us that a lot of male players would have to adapt to and I think it's tougher than you know what I mean? It's sort of tougher than you might imagine.
0: Yeah, um, I think going from a sport where you're, you know, body checking is not allowed and also they all wear face shields in the women's game too, that's a lot of adjustments they would have to make.
1: So I'm looking at uh, Shannon Zabados' numbers here in the minors. The SPHL, which everyone knows, the SPHL, the Southern Professional Hockey League. She is uh, this year or last year with the Peoria Rivermen, only two games, so we'll throw those numbers out. But in 22 games with the Columbus Cotton Mouse in 2015-16, a 3.63 goals against a 0.910 save percentage respectable the year not before bad. same team 3.12 goals against 15 to 9 record with a 0.907 save percentage so of course the SPHL is not the NHL
0: obviously hey Scott Darling came from the SPHL my friend yeah
1: but I do think that it will happen sooner in hockey than any other sport let's put it that way
0: you think they're You think there's more likely to be a woman playing net for an NHL team or kicking for an NFL team?
1: It's a good question. I think that, yeah, I would say maybe about 50-50 on that, actually. But I I played football, so I don't consider kickers football players. So (laughs) it's kind of different.
0: Yeah, well, you know what? You you agree with a lot of... uh, a football writer so don't worry about that what about a relief pitcher in baseball see that to me i'm really intrigued by that and not just because i watched the tv show pitch and i thought it was good i (laughs) i i do think that that would be something we could see someday a woman pitching in the major leagues i think that'd be cool and i think it's definitely possible i think the one the one sport out of the four majors that i don't Think. we're gonna see a woman playing in our lifetime like I'd be willing to say there's like zero shot is the NBA yeah I I just don't see it man and I, there are a lot of really good players in the WNBA like Elena Deladon like always would blow my mind with the stuff she would do when she was with the Chicago Sky I just can't imagine her playing in today's NBA with how fast-paced it is and the emphasis on the three-point shot and all that, that might help. The emphasis on the three might help in that regard. I still think the pace of play might be an issue.
1: Well, that, and you think about, like, Ruth Riley is my all-time favorite female basketball player. She played at Notre Dame um, back in the early 2000s, and she was, like, this big dominating center. She was 6'5", right? (laughs) Like, she's a point guard size in the NBA, so I think the size and the speed and all that stuff would probably be an issue. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I think the NFL is probably least likely. Like, you're not going to see a female running back. But No, um, no, no. Yeah, I think in, in the ones that we're actually considering is re- is realistic, I think you're probably right. I would say NHL goalie. Um, I'm going to go ahead and rank them, I guess. So I would say NHL goalie, NFL kicker, probably about even. Major League reliever, maybe someday. I'd like to know, like, what's the fastest overhand pitch thrown by a a female baseball player that's some research for next week um I will,
0: I will tell you that i loved watching alex rodriguez try to hit a softball pitch it was hilarious oh, they did the By same the way, thing have you ever with... Tried to hit a fast pitch softball before yes it's
1: ridiculous they tried you to can't do it no they did the same thing with jenny finch she struck out barry bonds in his prime on this yep. week in baseball he was just like what 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 was that like i could never hit that <laughs> like, no but absolutely not but that's I underhand a
0: high school pitcher and she made me look like a chump it is amazing how difficult it is to hit a softball that's why i watch the women's college world series all the time those those players in they're insanely talented like it's unreal watching them play
1: i agree all right, let's get into that topic more though in the future. That sounds like a really good off-season one. Let's get some listener feedback on that as well. Absolutely. MadhousePod at gmail dot com if you want to email us. And speaking of that, it is time to choose our winner of the best Damn. email question.
0: I feel like they're all winners in their own way. Really, I mean, those were all really good questions. Well, that that doesn't help me. I know. I just ugh. let's do the uh, usually, let's usually do the one we me, just did. Like let's do one that sticks out. This week's tough, man.
1: Well, let's do the uh, the women going. Let's Matthew Giovanni, a first-time winner anyway. Got us off on a nice tangent and sets up another topic for a later podcast. So, Matthew, you are going to Chuck Southern Coverage Cafe. I don't know what card you have because even though I brought my podcast equipment, I did not bring my giant collection of hockey cards with me. So I'll Boo. pick one out for you when I get home, and we'll let you know. In the meantime, send us your name, address, phone number, all that good stuff, and we'll get these Social out to you. Social
0: security number, credit card number
1: by the way um want to thank everybody uh had a huge month uh in our listens on blog talk radio so thank you for that also a uh, nice month on our patreon page if you are a patreon donor and you have somehow not received what has been promised to you you have to let me know because um, i it's hard i don't handle it it's someone else handles the patreon shipment of goodies so if you don't see anything don't just let it go by like let us know madhousepod at gmail.com and we'll get it as dress as quickly as we can i've only heard that happen like once or twice so i don't think it's a real big problem but i heard about one recently so i want to make sure that that is addressed and everyone is getting what they're promised so uh, hit us up if that is the case for you in the meantime Thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, which has been brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com and seatgiant.com. Use promo code Madhouse at checkout to save on your tickets. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.